Welcome to Cornerstone Reformed Baptist Church. Thank you for using and sharing our resources. What you're about to hear is God's Word from one of our teaching elders. We trust that God's Word will inspire, instruct, and bless you. For further teachings or information on our ministry, please visit us on our website at cornerstonerbc.com. That's cornerstonerbc.com. Well, brethren, beloved, back in chapter 1, in fact, in verse 21 of chapter 1, Naomi says some profound words as she's complaining about the plight that she is in. Back then, she says, I went away full, but the Lord brought me back empty. She departed with her family into from the land of Israel over to the land of Moab full. But now she says, I have come back empty. I've come back bankrupt. Her provision, her protection, her safety, her security, her joy, in essence, all of her life is now gone. She's declaring with her mouth that I am now bankrupt. Naomi's cup is empty. But little did she know that the Lord God, the God of the universe, is filling her cup. And when he is said and done, it will be greater, far greater than she could ever expect. And even now, she's back in the land with Ruth, her daughter-in-law, back in the land in Israel. And the Lord has already begun to provide his provision for her and for her daughter-in-law. By way of giving Ruth the energy and the ability to go and glean into the fields, the fields of Boaz, and to bring back their daily provision of food, to provide for them their immediate need to fill, to fill their bellies. However, the harvest is almost over. You see, this small family is still impoverished. This small family, Naomi and Ruth, are still, are still have needs that are yet unmet. They're still in a state of absolute uncertainty. They're in a state where there is no security. They're in the land of rest, but they experience no rest. Therefore, Naomi, or furthermore, I should say, Naomi, she's old. She's an aged woman. She's lived out a life. But Ruth, Ruth is yet young. She doesn't have to remain a childless widow. She can continue and, and marry and, and be fruitful with her life. But at this point where they stand, they have nothing. They'd lost everything. And the key to having their lives fully restored once again lies in what our text calls or says is a redeemer. Over seven times it's written in the original, redeemer, kinsman redeemer. Literally it means the one who will buy back what was lost. The one who buys back what was lost. In Naomi's mind, Boaz is that redeemer. You see, according to the Old Testament law, a kinsman redeemer was a relative. A relative who would advocate on behalf of a close family member. A member who had lost land or or lost freedom due to difficult circumstances. The kinsman redeemer would step up to the plate 
And he would buy back that which was lost out of the grace of his heart and the mercy and his care and his love for his family members. He will put out his own money and his own resources to buy back that which was lost. Now, let's not forget the Old Testament law also made provision for the people of Israel. That if they did lose land or they lost their freedom, that the provision was made in the way of the year of Jubilee or the Sabbath year, whereby the land and the freedom of the people of God in the land called Israel would be once again restored. But the kinsman redeemer could rescue his family members right now. No waiting. Right now. As long as he met three criteria. Three criteria was required for him to be a kinsman redeemer. The first, he needed to qualify. And to qualify, it was required that he was a blood relative of the person who is in need. And number two, he needed to have the means. He needed to be able to afford the purchase price of redemption. Beloved brothers and sisters, redemption always comes at a cost. Always. Number three, he needed to be willing. He needed to be willing to give up his resources in order through care and and graciousness and mercy upon his family members to be able to give the resources of his to, to redeem them and to take them out of the plight that they're in. And Naomi, as I said earlier, believed that Boaz was that guy. That Boaz was that kinsman redeemer. And she was, she was sure that he met the first of the conditions because he was indeed a blood relative of her deceased husband. She was sure he met the second condition, being a man of means. You and I have been through three chapters and we don't have to go very far to recognize that this man was indeed a man of means, but means, but was he willing? Was he willing to be the kinsman redeemer? Well, to answer that question, Naomi concocts a rather unusual, strange plan that we see before us. Her motives seem to be noble, but let me tell you, her plan was wrought with danger. Grooming Ruth, her daughter-in-law, and sending her to the threshing floor at night at this time of year, when the, when the laborers are all in a, in a happy partying mode because the harvest has, has been brought in and the laborers are away from home with much money in their hand and much wine in their bellies. Beloved, it doesn't take a genius to recognize that there can be quite a bit of un, well, let's say some licentiousness that could take place at these threshing floors. In fact, if you don't know that already, all you need to do is open up Hosea chapter 9 and the very first verse and read that. To give you an indication of what takes place at these threshing floors. And this is, remember, the epoch of the book of Judges. This is the epoch of the time of Judges where Israel was sunken into darkness. This seems to be already a very bad idea. And then to go on to instruct her daughter-in-law to lay besides a man, and a man who is not her husband, While he sleeps in the night. Look, no matter which way you cut it, this seems to be a very bad idea. This can be a recipe for disaster. But let me tell you this. Despite the lack of wisdom in this advice, and I see it to be advice without wisdom, the Lord is actually 
in the detail. The Lord is in the detail. Despite the lack of wisdom, the Lord is in the detail. We said last week that God is sovereign. And He has this sovereign plan that He's working out. And in this sovereign plan, He's working out with the, with the love that He has for His own. The Lord God is in complete control. Ruth is faithful and completely devoted to her mother-in-law. Whatever you say, I shall do, she says. But the Lord will provide the protection for Ruth. Not because the plan was great, but because Boaz was one of his own. Boaz was a godly man, a man of wisdom, a man of virtue, a man of character. And the Lord God will provide protection because this godly man didn't take advantage of Ruth as maybe, perhaps, many of the other men in that place may have. But rather, he showed a great deal of restraint, restraint and wisdom. And he agrees. He agrees to be the Redeemer of both Naomi and Ruth, but only if it's done in the right way. He's a man of integrity. He's a man who knows the word of God. But more about that details in the next chapter. Now we can go down into the weeds and unpack what is the nuances and the details that are before us here in chapter 3. We can do that. But I'd rather in the moments that we have left to have a look at this text from a, from a high point of view. To glimpse at this text from above. Because beloved brothers and sisters, as New Testament Christians, when we come across texts like this, and in particular, we come across this character called Boaz. He's meant to remind us of someone. He's meant to be pointing towards someone who's greater than himself. This Boaz. He's meant to remind us of Jesus Christ. Yes, he's a kinsman redeemer, but the true redeemer is Jesus Christ. He's not a redeemer who will simply rescue a couple of ladies in in great physical need. But this is Jesus Christ, the true redeemer, who will rescue all the people of God in all generations of the greatest spiritual need. They've lost their freedom. They're slaves, every one of us, slaves to our sin. And as such, Christ has been made uniquely qualified for the task of being our Redeemer. Uniquely qualified on all points. You see, as the eternal God, it was, it was necessary that, that Jesus Christ, that the Son of God would condescend and He would take upon Himself flesh and blood to share in our humanity so that He could become our brother in humanity, our relative to qualify with the first criteria. How about how about him having the means and the, the ability to, to, for the purchase price? Beloved, you and I, we've been sold out to sin. Every one of God's people, born in sin and in rebellion. The wages of sin is death. What you and I would need to do to pay for that is to spend all eternity in hell under the wrath of God. But this is Christ. This is the eternal Son of God. He's the one who became man. He's the one who hung upon the cross and every drop of his blood is infinitely worthy. Every drop of his blood is infinitely precious to pay for your guilt and mine and for the guilt of all his people in all generations. He needed to be willing of the love of God in Christ Jesus. For God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son. 
willing. Christ, this the good shepherd of his sheep, loves his sheep. A love that is so profound, it's hard for our minds to even fathom or comprehend. But he says in John chapter 10, he says, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. You and I and all of humanity have departed, beloved, from Israel. We've wandered into foreign lands, into the land of depravity and idolatry and debauchery. We've taken the trip. We've turned our back upon God, away from the presence of God, away from the fullness and the satisfaction that is found in God alone. We, we just like Naomi in our sin, have become spiritually bankrupt. We've become empty of all good things. Empty of joy, empty of peace, empty of rest, empty of true life. We need a Redeemer to rescue us. To buy us back with the purchase price. To make us His own. To reconcile us to God. And to bring us into His glory to enjoy the inheritance that He has purchased. That He has purchased with His own blood. An inheritance that can never be taken away. That's what we need. And God has provided But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of Son into our heart, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer slaves. No longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray.